You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I have one or two liberal friends, and they enjoyed giving me a hard time about the midterms. Oh, you lost, you lost, you lost, they said. They were gleeful. And I heard them out, and then I said, no, actually, you lost. And actually, the children lost. And so many of these children are beautiful, innocent, and way too many happen to be children of color, especially in big cities. What happened during the midterms, we've seen it before, big cities went all in for Democrats again, again, and again. The definition of insanity, they say, is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. Crime is getting worse. Everybody knows it. The people who are paying the price more than anyone else are children like these. Take a look at New York City. Uh, unfortunately, Lee Zeldin did not win, but he did well. He did very well. You see all those red counties. But in New York City, where, yes, all the crime is almost completely blue, deep blue. Kathy Hochul, the Democrat, who has vowed to do basically nothing about crime. She's so intimidated by the woke left. It's just going to persist and get worse. Scenes like this all over the place. Good, innocent people getting pushed onto a subway track. And it goes on and on and on. Robberies, mayhem. I mean, folks, <laughs> it's a big city. We've seen stuff, but we've never seen it like this. And it's all across the country, of course. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, well, they gave it to, uh, or did they, by the way? I have some doubts and concerns about the election. But they gave it to Mr. Fetterman, who, again, wants to do nothing about crime. In fact, he wants to make the problem worse, let people out of jail prematurely. Actual murderers should be let go. You've seen what's happening in Philadelphia. It's awful. It's beyond words. I mean, it is utter pandemonium and chaos and lawlessness. And overwhelmingly, this city goes for Democrats. More of the same. Is it ever, ever going to change? Hochul and Fetterman are pretty pleased with themselves right now. Oh, wow. Now we're going to be even bigger on social media. It seems like Almost every politician these days, you know what they just want to do is be a star on the Internet. It's the easiest thing to do in the world. Let's pose. You're tall. I'm short. That'll go viral. Crime is number one. It was at least the number one issue. Have you noticed? No one's talking about crime today. I mean, crime overnight is suddenly a non-issue. We're living with it. They are not. Take a look at the people at ABC News as they sit around that round table. George Stephanopoulos, he makes 30-something million dollars a year. Everybody at that table 
is making seven figures, including, yeah, him, Chris Christie, who barely lifts a finger for anybody but himself. And that reminds me of all of these Republican leaders, right, the country club Republicans, they're in it for themselves. They did nothing during the midterms. Christie, I hear, campaign might have given a little bit of money here and there, but not really. How about George W. Bush? When's the last time you heard from this guy, huh? George W. Bush has that great big fat presidential pension, all the money in the world, and uh, crime is flourishing, and he's in the basement painting. Painting. Where's Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney is a go-to guy for the fake news. Has he been trying to save this country from the Democrats? No, he's been on some sort of uh, hovercraft or whatever the heck that thing was and walking around in his uh, designer jeans and just having a great time being Mitt Romney and not helping Mike Lee, by the way. Won't forget that either. Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House. Yeah, he's just, uh, <laughs> look at him, you can tell. He's on his way very quickly to his first billion dollars. Career politician now cashing in. From time to time, he weighs in on politics. Oh, yes, people are tired of Trump. Thanks, Paul. Thanks to let us know what all of you and your fellow rhinos are saying about Donald Trump. We don't care. Unlike you, unlike Mitt Romney, unlike George W. Bush, President Trump sticks his neck out for the country. That's what makes him different from all of you. You guys have always been in it for yourselves. And don't tell me, don't tell me for a second you care about us. You do not. Oh, well, also, Barack Obama was on the campaign trail. I mean, he was out there, too, right? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he comes in at the last moment, saves the day. No, 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 no. Where was he six months ago, seven months ago? Donald Trump, every step of the way, he's been doing it. And you know what? That really, really breaks the mold, doesn't it? One-term presidents are supposed to disappear in disgrace like Jimmy Carter or George H.W. Bush. They're just supposed to go away. And they did, by the way. Again, with both of those gentlemen, it was more about themselves than the country. Yes, that includes George H.W. Bush, by the way. So there he was campaigning on Saturday night and who knows where, small towns. The guy could be anywhere in the world. And now at this important moment, who's turning on him? His friends, people, people who should know better, people who may deep down know better, but they need a paycheck. Supporters would like to see him get all behind Herschel Walker right now in the most helpful way possible. And, and sometimes it might be being quiet because in Georgia he's not be, that popular. It, it might be being quiet and, and also to sort of stop the bows and arrows that he's shooting at DeSantis. Right, which is insane because it's like shooting at somebody because DeSantis is so much like Trump in so many ways, but different enough at 44 years old to offer different attributes and different skill set. It's insane. It's insane that there's a political rivalry between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. No, it's not insane. No, <laughs> this happens in politics. It's called politics. Ron DeSantis, a lot of folks believe, does owe Donald Trump, including Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump endorsed Ron DeSantis at a very pivotal time. In 2017, he was a no-name congressman. And Donald Trump, yes, helped him catapult all the way into the governor's mansion in Tallahassee. So Donald Trump really let him have it today on Truth Social, reminding everybody of all of this and going further. 
Ron came to me desperate, in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide. Ron had low approval, bad polls, no money, but he said he could win if I endorsed him. And, uh, well, he did. He did. Uh, he did point out Donald Trump in this statement. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ron uh, became a star. Uh, he beat Andrew Gillum, who was later revealed to be a crackhead. <laughs> Gee whiz. And now Ron DeSanctimonious is playing games of fake news. Ask him if he's going to run if President Trump runs. And he says, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's really not the right answer. You know what? This is one of the reasons why we love Donald Trump, the authenticity. He does this, this, this stuff himself. He's not delegating it. I actually like it. And don't forget, DeSantis has basically copied Trump. All right. He studied him very, very hard. Everybody notices it. The mannerisms are the same. Everything is the same. He has studied Trump. He's taking his act and he's running with it. But as far as, you know, the insults, uh, it's standard in politics. Everybody should relax. Remember when Hillary and Barack Obama got into it? Uh, let's talk about it. The, uh, Hillary, I'm, I will be happy to provide you with the information about all the, all the spending that we do. Now, let's talk about Ronald Reagan. What you just repeated here today is Patton. Wait, no, oh, uh, Hillary, Robert, you just I spoke. Not, I did you not say anything about Ronald Reagan. You said two you do, things. You, you talked about admiring Hillary, Ronald Reagan, and you talked about you, you the ideas spoke, of the Senator Republicans. Senator, I didn't what, talk about Hillary, Ronald Reagan. We just had the tape. You just said that I complimented the Republican ideas. That is not true. I mean, really, that looks silly in comparison to what Trump is talking about. Oh, you, you, you cut me off. Not enough time. You said this. I didn't say that. That's sophomoric, but Democrats can do it, and it's right, but Donald Trump does it. It's insane. Anyway, back to the children. Back to the children who will die as a result of, well, Democrats, particularly in cities, just voting against their own interests. We see it all the time, and so many Republicans and so many Democrats just don't give a damn. They don't break a sweat, and uh, it's more of the same. That brings me to Mitch McConnell. Oh, Mitch McConnell, yes, yes, yes. What a weird guy. And from what I'm told, he's um, doesn't really matter about the country. He's only in it for the power and perks. And boy, he has some serious perks. Take a look at his office suite. You ever wonder where the major minority leader of the United States Senate works? He's got like 17 offices, uh, <laughs> butlers, chefs, you name it. I mean, this looks like, doesn't this look like the King of England's place, right? And, and listen, by the way, do you have an, a fireplace in your office? <laughs> listen to him describe uh, this sweet setup. I spend most of my time here. Um, like all senators, I have another office uh, in the Russell Building. Uh, we have three Senate offices but I have, as a result of being leader, I have sort of two offices and two sets of staff. The, the staff here uh, deals with all of the senators. My staff in Russell is mainly oriented toward Kentucky and my responsibilities there. But just to keep myself from running back and forth all the time, I, I generally operate out of here if the people from... <laughs> what? Uh, That's a lot of stuff. For a public servant, for somebody who works for us, and oh, by the way, he has a side job getting Republicans elected to the Senate, but only Republicans he likes, only Republicans he senses will 
vote for him for minority leader or majority leader. I don't think he cares just as long as he's leader. Blake Masters, I hear, yeah, he could have helped him out, did not. Same goes for, uh, well, a lot of people, but one of my favorites. And also uh, General Bulldog up there in uh, New Hampshire. Now, Mitch sits on the sidelines and throws darts. You know what he said a few months back? Did you see him out there really working it? It's all behind the scenes. It's all that backdoor stuff. I don't like it. And when he does go public, well, that's not good either. Care to share any of your projections on the midterm elections? Yeah, I think the, the, there's a, probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Uh, I got to admit, I can't really hear what he's saying. The acoustics this sounded better when I first saw it on the news. Uh, he was critiquing candidates mid-campaign. Well, candidate quality is a factor here that we have to uh, consider as we allocate funds. You know what you really should consider? The children. Seriously, the children. Nancy Pelosi once said it's all about the children. I don't believe her when she says that, but it is actually. At least it should be. When we come back, Mike Pence. Mike Pence. I have a nickname for him, The Dud. More in a moment. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. The dud. Mike Pence is the dud. Yeah, career politician, definitely, and uh, so self-righteous, right? Who made him pope? Let's take a look at his book. It's called So Help Me God by Mike Pence. So I have not read the book. I intend to buy it. I do enjoy reading these nonfiction autobiographies and... Uh, I think so far, based on what I've seen in the Wall Street Journal, this is designed to placate and appeal to the fake news. Yes, indeed. And the fake news, that might be his most important, maybe his only constituency. All right. Number one, I had just spoken with a senator about the importance of vetting concerns about the election before Congress and the American people. All right. So he tells a senator that, according to the book. Interesting that he left his own public urging for this to happen. I don't see this where it should be, and it actually happened. Maybe it's in the book, but so far, it doesn't seem that way. I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. So in the book, it seems like he says that privately to one United States senator. But you can see there he said it publicly to the world. And he gave a lot of people possibly false hope that he might do something that we believe he had the constitutional authority to do. But all he was really going to do was go through the motions. Could that be happening? Huh? Now. 
He was with Donald Trump in the Oval Office, and according to the book, he was, uh, well, making the case that he did not have the authority to do what they wanted him to do, what we thought he could do under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. In the book, it reads, Republicans had filed a lawsuit asking a federal judge to declare that I had exclusive authority and sole discretion to decide which electoral votes should count. If it gives you the power, the president asked, why would you oppose it? I told him, as I had many times, that I didn't believe I possessed that power under the Constitution. Well, that's fine, but guess what? You're not the sole authority on the Constitution. I don't care what the fake news says. We have a Supreme Court, right? And don't they actually often disagree on what the Constitution says? Even five to four decisions? Very smart people? But Mike Pence had it all, all decided in his brain. But he had to go through the motions, or I don't know. What was he thinking at this moment? I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what Sport. purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. I don't know what he's thinking. He doesn't seem to be too thrilled, does he? Now, I wanted to hear those objections. He said he did as well. We believe he had some options at his disposal, which he chose not to use. Meanwhile, we know what's happening outside. It's getting bad. It gets worse. Now, why did it get bad? Why did it get worse? A lot of us believe that those folks, they were let in not to stop the counting, but to stop the objections which basically happened. We all know by now that uh, Mike Pence goes down to the garage. And uh, they love to say he was a hero because, uh, well, he did everything that the left wanted him to do. You will hear today that President Trump's White House counsel believed that the vice president did exactly the right thing on January 6th. When the pressure campaign failed and Mike Pence fulfilled his constitutional obligation, Donald Trump turned a violent mob loose on him. He instigated the attackers to target the vice president with violence. A man who just wanted to do his constitutional duty. Really? That's Elaine Loria. I'm so glad she lost, by the way. Um, it's not that cut and dried, actually. And fascinatingly, January 6th, the rioting, and he goes to the basement. Mike Pence continues in the book. When the session reconvened, everything changed. Many lawmakers withdrew support for objections that had been properly filed. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell made the point that it was imperative Congress reconvene as soon as possible to complete the vote count. And everyone agreed. Interesting. We don't have the full story about January 6th. And from my reading of this book so far, Mike Pence is not interested in the full story of January 6th. He just wants to tell us stories we already heard about being in the basement of the Capitol. I wonder, and I have not read the book yet, I'll get it as soon as it's available. Does he raise the question about how all these people got in? The little cop who aggressively waved throngs of people right this way, step up, step right up. And the Capitol Hill police officers who were just standing there 
as they came in one after the other. And I wonder if Mike Pence will write about the three cops who were right outside the house of uh, the house. And for whatever reason, they decided to take a coffee break. There they go. All hell breaks loose. And a few seconds later, Ashley Babbitt is shot and killed. An unarmed woman. I am very much looking forward to seeing if Mike Pence writes about her and raises these important questions. He obviously doesn't have the answers. What a disappointment. Mike Pence, the dud. Stay with us. Hey, I have not forgotten about Paul Pelosi. <laughs> have you? I'm sorry. We do not know the whole story. Stay with us. The fake, fake news just doesn't, doesn't get it, do they? Yeah. Fake news is swooning over a new governor in Massachusetts. I mean, she must have some plan for the state. It's got to be really, really big because, well, I keep hearing about this uh, governor who's, uh, Healy is her name. I mean, they can't stop talking about her. So what does she have planned for Massachusetts? Well, winners made history last night. Democrat Mara Healey will be the first openly lesbian governor. Massachusetts elected Democrat Mara Healey, the nation's first openly lesbian governor. Mara Healey is now their first elected female governor. Not just that, she is also the first openly lesbian woman to be elected governor in any state in the history of the country. Wow! Uh, who cares? Uh, really? I mean, do we care anymore? <laughs> Uh, it's funny. They are all kind of interested in her orientation. So I looked it up. What does the governor of Massachusetts actually do? And uh, what are they in charge of? Well, OK, here it is. Right. A lot of people and entities report to the governor. And what does the governor? OK, they report. Now, what are the responsibilities? Let's take a look at those. Ooh, that's a big job. Prepares, presents state budget, uh, veto stuff, appoints judges, grand pardons, uh, department heads, blah, 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 blah. Oh, commander in chief of the Massachusetts National Guard. That's cool. Um, for none of those things do you have to be a lesbian. For none of those things do you have to be heterosexual. Uh, we don't care anymore. Uh, this is getting ridiculous. And by the way, celebrating somebody's orientation, I think it makes people feel somewhat reduced, actually. I personally feel marginalized uh, because I'm not like that. Does that make me less special? That's actually how it's starting to feel. I wonder if way back in the day, people who were LGBTQ possibly felt that way. Maybe they did. Anyway, just, uh, I should stop talking. All right, let's do this. Uh, oh, Paul Pelosi. Uh, remember him? Uh, I do. And I'm not going to forget, actually, because the story is, uh, well, we haven't been told the whole story. Uh, that's kind of obvious, right? I don't know what happened. Maybe it is the way they've said, but we have not been told the whole story. Mr. DePape, uh, we do know this, here illegally, enjoying the advantages of being in a sanctuary city. On the eve of the midterms, Monday night, the eve of Election Day, that was the first time we heard from Nancy Pelosi in a, over a week. She went basically underground and didn't say anything until the night before Election Day. Hmm. Uh, here's a little bit of that. Has he been able to talk to you about what he was thinking when he woke up and found this person in, in the room? We haven't quite had that conversation because any revisiting of it is really traumatizing. I already told the cops. Not going to tell you? 
I don't know about that. Every family is different. Okay. Don't want to talk about it. All right. All right. But you certainly are ready to get political about it. President Biden drew a line between what happened on January 6th and, no. and the attack on your husband. The president said, I quote, the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those were the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States That's Capitol on January 6th. That's right. Do you draw that same line? Absolutely. There's no question. It's the same. Absolutely. A year and a half of uh, January 6th hearings, and maybe this was the ultimate conclusion. Look, um, I hate violence, and I'm sorry that anything happened to Mr. Pelosi, but I also don't like being spun, and I don't know. I just don't get the sense that we're getting the straight scoop. Uh, so the next morning after the incident, Nancy Pelosi put out a statement, and uh, yeah, 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 we request privacy at this time. You see that part at the bottom? Request privacy at this time. And then later in the week, uh, she asked for privacy again. I think there's another statement, right? Yep. Uh, Paul is now home, surrounded by his family, who request privacy. Again, Tom Brady and Giselle with their divorce, they want privacy. Everybody understands that. Children are involved. Here, I don't quite understand it. Also, on Friday, the morning of the incident, we were told that uh, Paul Pelosi will make a full and complete recovery. Uh, Mr. Pelosi was taken to the hospital where he is receiving excellent medical care and is expected to make a full recovery. Well, we're glad to hear that, but that was issued Friday morning, just a couple of hours after the incident. If he just got his head bashed in with a hammer and he's 82 years old and has to undergo surgery, uh, I don't know if the doctors were actually saying he's going to make a complete recovery. Did they know that soon? Maybe. All right. One other thing I got to share with you. The police chief, his name is Scott. He's been in that job since uh, 2017, five years, and he worked in big jobs in Los Angeles and elsewhere. Cops at that level, they've seen it all, all that experience. They've seen everything. So his reaction on Friday night seemed a little bit over the top. A simple assault in a house. Uh, take a look. Our elected officials are here to do the business of their cities, their counties, their states and this nation. Their families don't sign up for this to be harmed. And it is wrong. And everybody should be disgusted about what happened this morning. With that, we will take any questions and we will only answer what we can answer. Wow, he seems really, really delicate at that moment. Big city police chief. Okay, he said, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, that's a little bit much. So I looked up some other press conferences he held, and in June, he was talking about a string of homicides, a bunch of stabbing deaths, lots of people killed, not hit in the head and home from the hospital in three days. I mean, murdered. He seemed kind of blasé about that. Have been multiple arrests in just a few short days. The police chief says there still is a lot of work to be done. Turning to the public, you know these these arrests happen in quick succession, and we wanted to make sure we got that information out. But we also need the public's help. San Francisco has seen 20 homicides so far this year. While we have the public's attention, we want to make sure we take advantage of that. And if anybody has anything that they can provide that helps these investigations or any others, I think it's a good opportunity. Tara Campbell. 
ABC 7 News. Wow. Hey, if everybody has anything, just give us a call. Maybe even you know something seems to be very kind of light and breezy about the whole thing. He's not disgusted about what happened. Something's up. Maybe it's maybe there's an innocent explanation for all of it. Maybe. Hey, stay with us. Carrie Lake, who should be governor by now. What is going on out there with the counting of the votes? They were better at that a century ago. Carrie Lake, superstar, coming up. Hey, see this old-timey picture of people voting? That's actually folks voting back in 1924 in Arizona. Uh, they had their act together back then and as far as voting in Arizona. They knew by, the, uh, uh, by nighttime that Calvin Coolidge had won the election in Arizona and beyond, by the way, I believe. Uh, anyway, here we are today. Uh, election day was Tuesday, and they're still counting ballots. The system is, well, it seems to me like it's screwed up. Um, Carrie Lake has been sounding the alarm about election problems for a long time now. She is a Republican nominee and, in my opinion, should have had this thing locked up uh, two days ago if the system was honest. Anyway, Carrie Lake, welcome back. <laughs> Congratulations. It looks like you're going to be successful. But I don't know. You tell me what's going on out no, there. We're, you know what? We do have it locked up. They just haven't counted the votes. We had a record. We, we actually shocked the system. A record number of Arizonans showed up to hand-deliver their mail-in ballot on Election Day, 70 percent increase from even 2020. And these are people who had a mail-in ballot, but they didn't trust the system enough to put it in a drop box or a mailbox. They walked it in. And we have, I'm going to look at my, my notes here, 401,000 of, of those ballots to count. They haven't counted a single one. The ballots that they've been counting are a lot of the ballots so far from uh, Democrat-heavy areas, but not a single election day early ballot has been counted. And when they start counting those, Greg, we believe we're going to see them go to us uh, anywhere from 60 to 80 percent going in our favor. And we are going to win and win handily. And the other good news is we believe that Blake Masters will win when they start counting these, Abe Hamaday and even Mark Fincham. And it will be a sweep. Well, when they count them is the big question. There's so many in the system they can't keep up. So, uh, you know, I've been rooting for you, of course. I've uh, been open about that. But what is their excuse? I mean, uh, and how do they this, I think, complicates their defense of 2020 being um, no problem oh, yeah. there. You couldn't talk about 2020. Remember, that was forbidden. You can't talk about it. And I've been talking about it. They've canceled me. They've called me names. But I was trying to you know, sound the alarm. We have to reform our elections. What happened is in Florida, they have a deadline when you can hand in your early ballot. And that way they have time to count them. We don't have that deadline. And so we had a lot of ballots show up on Election Day because there is so much distrust in the system. and You can't blame people. And because of that, it's going to take longer to count these ballots, but they will count them and we will be victorious. And when we get in first day in office, I'm going to get the uh, legislature busy special session to begin reforming our elections. So we don't have this nonsense anymore. So the whole world isn't looking at Arizona and saying, when are you going to have your results? So we understand the balance of power and we know exactly who won on Election Day. Just a couple of hours ago, we have this Maricopa election official uh, saying, uh, well, let's take a look and evaluate. 
it's our obligation and it is their privilege as a voter to have us do this right. They deserve that. That's what this is about. This election is actually about the voters of Maricopa County. It's not about the candidates and it's not about us. All right, that sounds a little platitudinous and obvious. I don't know. I don't know who to trust anymore. And your opponent yeah, he, is running, is basically in charge of the mechanics of the election? She's in charge of part of it. Yeah, she'll be the one that has to certify it. And, you know, that she should have recused herself. Obviously, it's unethical for her to remain in there. Um, but she didn't. We figured that she wouldn't because she's an unethical person and it didn't shock us at all. You know, the problem is, and my beef with Maricopa County is, we know that because of the laws, the way they are, people can hand in their mail-in ballot right up until the last second. They need to be staffed for that. And they aren't staffed for that. And so you have to work within the rules and laws that you have, and they need to rush this. They should be working around the clock counting ballots. We need to know who's going to be in position of power when it comes to Senate and Congress, and we need to know who our elected officials are going to be. Actually, what we're going to do is take that problem away from them. We will reform the elections, working with the legislature. I will sign meaningful election integrity legislation into law, and I can tell the people of Arizona tonight, when I am governor, we will never have an election run like this again. Every voter... Democrat, independent, Republican will go to bed on election night knowing their one legal vote counted and knowing who the winner is and trusting in the results of the election. When is Inauguration Day? Um, it's, I think, a week after we, I believe Inauguration Day is a week after taking the oath of office, and I believe the oath of office is January 2nd. Uh, January 2nd. And you're going so to hit add seven days by January 9th, if my estimation is right. So with all of the uh, electioneering that still has to be done, are you at all keeping one eye on the transition? I know some uh, folks don't like to do that. It's uh, potentially a jinx. But are you making any moves uh, for the eventuality you do become governor? Yes. I'm not going to let the uh, ineptitude of our elections officials and their slow and very slow counting of ballots slow us down because we have a lot to accomplish. We have a big agenda, a bold agenda to secure our border, restore safety, stop the fentanyl crisis, and work to restore faith and honesty in our elections. So we've already been pulling a team together, holding meetings, and we will not slow down. We are 100% confident that we win, and I will be the governor of Arizona. We have to get through the next few days of counting, let them count the ballots. The inevitable is going to come. So uh, as we wrap up, I am no SNL fan. It stopped being funny a long time ago. However, whoever played you, uh, I think it was last Saturday night, did a fairly good job. And I thought uh, there were, uh, a, I mean, did you see it? Did you get a kick out of it? I did see it. My, my team told me I made SNL. I thought, wow, I must have arrived. But then I watched the skit and I was waiting to laugh. And it was like, oh, man, they forgot. You know, the woke mob has killed comedy. I'd still rather watch like old episodes of the Johnny Carson show. It's way more funny. <laughs> That's true. But That's it, true. Well, I, it I, was I, an honor. To you're be right. On. It was not that funny, but she kind of got some of the mannerisms. And uh, anyway, this comes with the territory. And I do right. think you should be flattered. Well, Carrie Lake, uh, good luck. Hey, we might know more very shortly, correct? Sue.
Right. They're, they're dribs and drabs are coming out. And we're expecting uh, the Democrats to gain a little bit tonight because of the ballots are coming from these were early, mail in ballots that came in very early, which pushes a little more Democrat, even though we're doing well on some of these drops. We're expecting much better news in the next day, day and a half. We shall see. Depends on how fast they can count these ballots. But we feel absolutely confident. We have a movement. The people of Arizona know that we won and we know we won based on our war room, which is filled with uh, the smartest minds and, yeah. uh, you know, in statistics and elections, et cetera. And by the way, we have 60 attorneys on the ground and we're watching everyone like a hawk hmm. out there. So we're on it. Sorry. Last, last thing. You know, there are a lot of rhinos out there who was trying to cancel President Trump, trying to blame uh, disappointing midterms all on him. I don't buy that. He still has my no. support and a big future. Where do you come down on that? He's going to get, I believe he's going to get a win with me and Blake. And I even think Mark Finchin will pull out a win, Abe Hamaday. He's going to have a great uh, victory here in Arizona. President Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. I fully support him. I've heard rumblings that he might throw his hat in to run in 2024. I've already said we need him more than ever to undo some of the damage Joe Biden has done. Nobody can fix the problems like President Trump can. And he's already proven that once. I fully support him and would fully endorse him if he did that. And we shall see. I'm excited. I would love to see President Trump do well. Fact of the matter is we have a lot of great Republicans out there. We've got great Republican governors. We have great President Trump. And we're in good shape. I see us leading the charge to restore America to its glory days for the next several decades. That's how confident I am in this Republican Party. Very exciting. Carrie Lake, thank you very much. To be continued and good luck. Thank you, Greg. You bet. We'll be right back. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, party's shining star from Tuesday night. There was a coronation last night, probably as grand as King Charles III's coronation is going to be in the spring. And it was Ron DeSantis in Florida. Massive victory down there, right? Unfortunately, Donald Trump lost the rest of America. <laughs> oh, the fake news wanted to write Donald Trump off, huh? How about that? And... Ron DeSantis is the new head of the Republican Party. Do we buy that? First, let's bring in Dick Morris, the legendary presidential consultant and the author of the red hot book, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. And uh, Dick, first of all, great to see you. Uh, Donald Trump really laid into uh, Ron DeSantis today with the Truth Social Post. Uh, what do you make of the back and forth between those two, first of all, if you don't mind? Well, first of all, put DeSantis into perspective. He ran 17 points better in Florida than Trump did in 2020. And Zeldin ran 17 points better than Trump did in New York. Lost, but still the same margin. To attribute this to DeSantis is ridiculous. Uh, we, have, we know that Trump can go out there and say, I will produce jobs without inflation, because he did it. We know he can say, I sealed the border, because he did it. We know that he can say, I'll cut crime, because he did that. I can tame Russia and China and North Korea and Iran, because he did that. DeSantis, we have no idea. Trump is half a challenger and half a, an incumbent. The half that's a challenger can make bold commitments, but the half that's, that's an incumbent can say, I did it already. 
And it's really ridiculous to throw that away for somebody who is untested in foreign policy, untested in economic policy. How do we know what a DeSantis economic policy would look like or a DeSantis defense policy or a DeSantis foreign policy? We know what a Trump one would look like, one of the shining beacons of success in American history. And so, if I go on, it's wrong to blame Trump for the defeats, but look, let me know when you're ready for that. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So do me a favor. Put it in perspective for us. What happened on Tuesday night? Uh, you know, we're not thrilled, uh, but you've got we a great won. take on it. So go ahead. We won the House, OK, which is a tremendously difficult feat, especially in these days of gerrymandering and reapportionment. And we don't know the final margin, but it looks like about 15 seats combined with the 17 we won in 2020. That's a heck of a turnaround in the House. Uh, I I'm concerned about the Senate, but ultimately, who gives a damn about the Senate? We're not going to be able to pass legislation, and Biden will veto it, and we can stop anything he does because we have the House. What you need there is the gavel, the ability to hold hearings and investigate Hunter Biden and the FBI and all of that. And Jordan, Jim Jordan can do that very effectively from the House. So... What do you make of this? Fox News and a lot of Republicans, uh, the type, quite frankly, I don't like. You could call them rhinos or country club Republicans, Paul Ryan types, whatever, really ganging up on President Trump. I see even Winsome Sears, who I like, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, saying Trump should not run. It seems like a coordinated effort, and it also already seems to be fizzling. You know what I mean? The mood shifts very, very quick. Lee. These are Rupert, Murdoch, these are Rupert Murdoch's puppets. And he used to work at Fox News for 17 years. Uh, they're towing the company line in the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, and Fox News. And they're told to dump on Trump, and they seized on these defeats to blame Trump when it is absolutely not his fault. Uh, Trump alienated Murdoch because he wouldn't let him run the White House when Trump was president. He wouldn't bow to everything Murdoch wanted. And Murdoch couldn't take his revenge while Trump was president, but then he pounced as soon as these elections have come. And the boom for DeSantis is based on total ignorance. What the hell do we know about DeSantis's ability to get the economy together? And now let me go into my other rap. The reason we lost the Senate, if we did, and the reason we did lost the governorships, is because we were at spend two to one. The Democrats spent a hundred. It spent $360 million. We spent $195 million. Wow. So what do you think is going to happen? We said, oh, Baldock will win in New Hampshire, and he lost. But Baldock spent $2 million, and now Yassim spent 26 Wow. We said, why didn't Oz win in Pennsylvania? Well, he was outspent two to one. And the other thing is Democrat Republicans did not get out for early voting. So Oz went into general election in Pennsylvania, Dick, down 700,000 votes. We got to run, Dick. Hey, that? your book is still very active and viable and still applies. Trump, the comeback. Uh, Trump's big 2024 comeback, the return. Get it wherever books are sold. Dick Morris, appreciate it so much. Many, many thanks Thank to be continued. And we'll be right back. Well, happy birthday, United States Marine Corps. I was so proud to serve. Uh, there I am uh, with my fellow Marines graduating from flight school all the way back in 1994. Do you see which one I am? 
all the way on the right, the far right, and uh, great guys, great individuals. A.J. Hano, Jim Clay, Murphy, Jeffries, Martin. I still keep in touch with uh, most of these guys. Anyway, happy birthday and uh, to the Marine Corps. I'll see you tomorrow night. Many thanks. Thank you.